Amen. Thank you, praise team. Hey, good to see you this morning. Uh, good deal. Glad you're here. God bless you for coming. What a great day to be inside <laughs> the house of God. Hey, I'm, I'm really excited about our new cry room that we have for mothers with little babies. Uh, you need to check that out if you are a mama with a little kid. It is uh, right in this corner over here directly across from the men's bathroom. I know that that room that, that the cry room is in is a great cry room. I know it's a great cry room because that used to be my office <laughs> years ago when I first came here. And let me tell you, plenty of crying has gone on within those four walls. So uh, if you're a mama, please check it out before you leave today. Make sure you know where it's at. Uh, it, it is set up just for you and, and your little baby. Well, I am excited about preaching today. Uh, I, I've thought about this a couple of times when, when uh, when my kids were little and we were on a trip in the, in the vehicle, uh, it, it, would, it would get out of control really quick. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, the back seat would, would erupt and we'd have kids screaming and fighting and carrying on and just being loud. And uh, so Dave, I would say to him, I would say real loud, I said, you're at a 10, I need you at a 2. You know, remember me saying that? Okay, yeah, yeah. Not him, all right. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was, it was really the girls. You're at a 10. I need you to come down to a 2. Well, I'm at a 10 this morning. That's how excited I am to share with you God's Word. And I can see you're at a 1. So what we need is for you to come up to a 10 with me, all right? Okay, and, and maybe you will before this is over with. Last week when I was finishing my message, I talked to you about Titus chapter 2 verse 13. While we wait for the blessed hope. And what is our blessed hope? It is the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember that? And we talked about Jesus could come at any moment. And I told you the story of when I was a little boy in, in Midland, Texas, looking up at the big sky and thinking, you know what? He could bust that cloud open. This could be the day that Jesus comes back. That struck a chord in my heart. And from the comments that I have received from many of you, I think it has spoken to you as well. So today, I'm going to pick up with that same theme. Our sermon is entitled, Even So, Come Lord Jesus. It is found in the last book of the Bible. In fact, it is the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, and it is the two last verses <laughs> in the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. What we have in Revelation chapter 22, verses 20 and 21, is the final promise that Jesus made. Now that's pretty significant, is it not? The last thing Jesus gave us was a promise. And we're going to read that in verse 20. And then after that promise, we have the final prayer of a saint whose name was John. So we have the final promise of our Savior and the final prayer of a saint. Are you ready for it? Yes. Here it is, Revelation 22, verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Okay? That's Jesus, his final promise. What's the final prayer? Amen. <laughs> Amen, John said. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. 
Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would take these verses and Lord, help them to come alive in our hearts today. As I speak on the outside, I pray that you would speak on the inside, for we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So guess what? I only have two points. The first is our Savior's final promise. It comes here in verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. This was not a new revelation from Jesus. In fact, if you can remember back in John's gospel, chapter 14, he told his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. After his resurrection, Jesus was about to ascend back to the right hand of the Father in heaven. He met his disciples on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus ascended right there before their very eyes. They were standing there watching Jesus go up into the heavens. And all of a sudden, two angels were standing beside them. And this is what the angels said to the disciples. Why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which you just saw go into the heavens, shall come back the same way that you have seen him go. So everybody look at me. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. In fact, Jesus himself said three times in Revelation chapter 22, I am coming quickly. The first time is in verse 7. He said, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Then in verse 12, he said, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. And then right here in our text, verse 20 He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. So let me reaffirm, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming quickly. I think there are at least three things we need to understand about this phrase that Jesus spoke. Surely I am coming quickly. The first thing is this. Notice that his coming is certain. It's certain. You can count on it. You can bank on it. Jesus is coming again. The verse says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Notice that Jesus is the one who is testifying here. The he who testifies is none other than Jesus Christ. And the word testify is the word that we read elsewhere in the Bible translated witness. So Jesus is giving his own solemn testimony that he is coming again. Jesus is witnessing to the fact that he is coming back. And the word surely there, surely I am coming quickly is an affirmation. It means yes. It is a marker of certainty. In fact, the same word is used in Revelation Chapter 1, verse 7, surely, yes, he is coming 
in the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him, so shall it be, amen. So what can I tell you about the return of Jesus Christ? Well, I can tell you this, it is certain. It is a done deal. Jesus Christ is coming again. The second thing about his coming, his coming is not only certain, his coming is soon. It's soon. When we read this phrase three times in Revelation 22, Jesus saying, I am coming quickly. Some of the newer translations use the word soon there. I am coming soon. And I want to exegete this for you. Let me tell you what the word soon means in the Greek New Testament. The word soon means, look at me, it means soon. <laughs> and you need to understand this simple truth. It could be at any time. I mean, right now, bang, <laughs> he could come. His coming is soon. It could be any day. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be next week. We don't know when it's going to be, but we do know it's going to be soon. Can I get an amen? You see, we all know this, right? If you're a Christian, you know this, and you believe it. Raise your hand if you believe it. Right? little crowd involvement here. Yeah, we say we believe, but we struggle with it. Because here's the deal. For us, soon means this afternoon, <laughs> doesn't it? I mean, soon means at least by tomorrow. <laughs> In our world of conveniency with, with you know, you, you just drive through and you get money out of a machine, you know? You, you call in your order, it's delivered to you, and you have it right then. Soon means right now. Did you know it was 2,000 years ago when Jesus said this to John? And so some of you are struggling with that. Because it doesn't fit into your computation of when soon is. Right? right? It's reality. Well, the Bible understood that. The writers of the New Testament. In fact, Peter understood it all too well. He devoted an entire chapter to the scoffers who doubt that Jesus is coming back. It's found in 2 Peter chapter 3. Listen to verse number 4. Peter said, the scoffers will say... Where is his coming that he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything just goes on as it has been since the beginning of creation. And then in verse number 8, but you guys don't forget this one thing. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And so, if you're going to take this verse literally, it means, according to this equation, Jesus has actually only been gone two days. Just a little over two days. And then he goes on and says this in verse number 9. The Lord is not slack or slow in keeping his promises, as some men understand slowness or slackness. He is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. And church, right there you have the reason for the delay of our Lord's return. You see, when he does come back, it's going to be too late for anyone to be saved. 
And God does not want anyone to perish. God is in the business right now of populating heaven. God doesn't want people to perish. God wants people to come to repentance. But make no mistake about it. It could be at any time. It could be soon. In fact, if you go on and read verse 10 of 2 Peter chapter 3, he says this, But the day of the Lord, that means the day of his return, will come like a thief in the night. When you least expect it, expect it. <laughs> you know? And that really leads me to the next thing about the promise of his coming. It is not only certain and soon, but number three, his coming will be sudden. It will be sudden. He said, I am coming quickly. That means, look at me, that means when he comes back, bam, it's going to happen. Just like that, it's going to happen. It's going to be, man, it's going to be fast. It's going to be faster than I can shoot, a, and I'm pretty fast shooting my cowboy gun. It's going to be faster than that. And the point is, when he comes, there's going to be no dilly-dallying around. There's going to be no packing a suitcase. There's going to be no getting down on your knees, repenting of your sins. It'll be too late. Because his coming is going to be quick. It's going to be sudden. I told the first service, I can remember um, moving to Fort Worth and, and going to seminary and pastoring, being the pastor of my very first church, Western Hills. I wasn't there long until uh, one of the older guys in the church told me, he said, uh, I'm going to have surgery this next week. I think it was on a Tuesday morning. And, and I said, well, when do you have to be there? And he said, I've got to be at Harris Hospital in Fort Worth at 5.30 a.m. And, and I said, I'll be there. I'll be there. Pray with you. So I got up early that morning, put on my suit. It's my first real, real hospital visit as an official pastor. I've done, I did it before as a youth pastor, but now as a pastor, I was going to the hospital and, and you know, I was, doing, I was doing the official thing. So I dressed up my suit. I went up there to Harris Hospital, found him. He was in a little isolated waiting room, ready to be taken back for surgery. And I went there with the primary purpose. I'm going to pray with him before he goes back to surgery. But as soon as I walked in the door, this guy was a talker, man. He, he just, he talked, 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 talked. And I couldn't get a word in edgewise. And I mean, the surgery was delayed. And we were there for over an hour before they ever even came back. And he just kept talking. And I kept thinking, well, when, when he catches a breath, I'll pray with him. But he never caught a breath. I mean, he just kept talking. He was nervous as a, as a cat and, and on a hot tin roof. And he just kept talking. And all of a sudden, three nurses came in and just like that they carted him out of that room and I didn't even get to pray with him I learned my lesson right then as soon as you get there you pray with them okay because you might you may, when they come to get you whoo that's it they're gone but you know what I've thought of that numerous times in relationship to Jesus's second coming when he comes back, dude, I mean, like a, it's going to be over. There will be no time for repentance. His coming is certain, his coming is soon, and his coming is going to be sudden. That is the promise of his coming. I am coming quickly. But the second thing that we see is the, the saint's final prayer, his fervent prayer. John prayed, Amen. <laughs> Even so, come Lord Jesus. Now, before we look at that phrase and exegete it, let me just say this. 
Did you know that successful praying is always linked to the promises of God? And Jesus just gave a promise. I am coming quickly. So what does John do? He lashes his prayer to that promise. Amen. Come on, Jesus. So if you want to have a powerful prayer life, you need to link your prayers with the promises of God. Now, there is evidence that this prayer that John prayed, even so, come Lord Jesus, became a daily prayer for the early church. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22, we have this same prayer in its Aramaic form. That verse says, O Lord, come. Now, many of you commented after last Sunday's sermon that that sermon made you stop and think that, you know what, Jesus Christ could come back right now. I mean, he could, he could just bust that sky open and he could come back pronto, right now. And here's what I want to tell you. When you look around at this world in which we live in, with all of its evilness, with all of its perverseness, with all of its corruption... As a believer in Jesus Christ, it makes you want to say even louder, even so, come Lord Jesus. Hmm? This was John's prayer, but I think it's our prayer as well. Let me show you what I mean. This is our prayer in the face of suffering. Remember the apostle John is exiled on a remote island. He is on the Isle of Patmos far from his family and friends. And make no mistake about it, it was not some Mediterranean island spa that John was at. I mean, he was in prison. He was suffering. And as far as John knew, he wasn't going to leave that island alive. So when John heard Jesus say audibly, I am coming quickly, John said, Okay, Lord, I'm ready. Amen. Come on, Lord Jesus, right now. And John wasn't the only one suffering. In fact, all of the Christians in all of the churches who would receive this revelation were suffering as well. And so it has been down through the ages that the people of God who have put their hope in the blessed return of Jesus Christ and the events that will set in motion the climax of our glorious hope and our home in heaven have anticipated and prayed this prayer. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Listen, we go through suffering. I mean, that's what this life is. It's all about pain and anguish and suffering. But as you go through suffering, you need to know this. One of two things is bound to happen. One of two things will happen to you in your life of suffering. Either number one, Jesus is going to come for you, which is the rapture. Or number two, you're going to go to Jesus through death. And let me tell you, either one of them is a win-win situation. But in the meantime... Before either one of those events take place, I want you to know that God loves you, and God is with you, 
And he is going to sustain you with his grace. And that hope that Paul talked about in Romans 8, 18. Paul said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. And let me tell you something. Paul knew something about suffering. He said, all the suffering that I've gone through can't even begin to compare with the great glory and awesomeness of spending eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. Wow. So it is our prayer in the face of suffering. But secondly, this is our prayer in the face of injustice. Who would agree with me that life is full of injustice? I mean, all you have to do is is look around and and you see it. There is injustice going on everywhere. We lose our job. We're cheated out of our retirement. Criminals are prospering. We see wicked people in power. And you're thinking, this doesn't make sense. In some states, it is illegal to crack open a certain turtle's egg and destroy that egg. While in the same state, it is legal to abort a baby through the ninth month of pregnancy. That just doesn't make sense. Injustice is everywhere. Corruption is everywhere. One guy said... It makes me so mad, I just want to punch the wall. (laughs) I'll tell you what, it makes me so mad, I can't hardly watch the news anymore. (laughs) Injustice is everywhere. And mostly, there's not a thing in the world that you can do about it. But church, listen to me. The return of Jesus Christ means that Christ will set in motion the great high court of heaven. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 2, verse 5. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment is going to be revealed. God's going to take care of all the injustice. The righteous judge will judge the world. And those who are sinful and unrepentant will receive their reward. But you say, well, what about us? Those of us who are faithful, who love Jesus, who long for his return, are we going to be remembered? You better believe that too. 2 Timothy 4.8, Paul says, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So this is our prayer. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus in the face of suffering and in the face of injustice. And finally, this is our prayer in the face of Christ. All this means that one day, we're going to get to see Jesus face to face. The, the same John that wrote the book of Revelation also wrote 1 John. 
And listen to what he said in chapter 3, verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know, listen, we know that when he, that is Jesus, appears, we shall be like him. And we shall see him as he is. We shall see him face to face. It was John who said that. Now, remember who John was. John was one of the 12 apostles, one of the followers of Jesus. He had a very close relationship with Jesus. He was the one at the Last Supper who leaned over on Jesus' bosom. The Bible refers to John as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, I know Jesus loved all the disciples, but he had a special place in his heart for John. How do I know that? Well, it was John who was with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was John who was with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was John who was at the foot of the cross. And Jesus looked down at him and said, John, behold your mother. Jesus was looking at Mary, his own mother. And he was entrusting his mother's care into the hands of his best friend and buddy, John. No one knew Jesus better than the apostle John. And so when Jesus said, surely... I am coming quickly. It was John who immediately responded, Amen. Come, Jesus. You know, you know why? Because <laughs> he longed to see him. He wanted to be with his friend. And here's what I know. The closer you are to Jesus in this life, the more your heart aches for his return the more you long to see his face. The closer you are to him, the closer you walk with him, the more you pray this prayer. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Back when I was a kid, we, we would sing out of the hymn books and we sang this song, When We See Christ. The refrain says, It will be worth it all, when we see Jesus, life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrows will erase. So bravely run your race till you see Christ. Church, do you remember when Jesus was teaching his disciples about the signs of the end times? He warned them about wars and rumors of wars. He talked to them about earthquakes and persecution and global terror. And then he had this to say to them. Look at Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, verse 27 and 28. Look at that verse. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power. And with great glory. And when these things begin to take place, you stand up and you lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing nigh. Church, can I tell you, it's time to stand up.
It's time to lift up your heads because our redemption is drawing nigh. It's just around the corner. Jesus Christ is coming again. And more than anything else, I want you to be ready. Man, I want to see you in heaven. I want to spend all eternity with you guys in heaven. You know what? We're going to love each other a little more in heaven because all those quirky things about our personality are going to be purged away. And you're really going to be able to like me then. Okay? You really are. And I want to be in heaven with you. More than anything, I want to make sure my family's in heaven. I told my kids that growing up. No matter what happens in your life, you make sure you meet me in heaven. And I want to make sure you're in heaven. You say, well, preacher, that's, that's good in theory, but I, I really don't know if I can know that for sure. Some of you teenagers, listen to me. Guys, listen. You may be thinking that right now. I don't know if I can know that for sure. Teenagers, hey, in the balcony, you guys, listen to me. You can be sure. You adults, you can be sure. You know how you're sure? Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the only way your name can be there is if you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You've confessed your sins. You're forgiven. And you love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So look at me, guys, look at me. Before you leave this place today, you need to know where you're spending eternity. Because Jesus is coming again. It's certain, it's soon, and it's going to be sudden. So make sure you're going to the right place. Heavenly Father, 